You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin today by calling in the spirits. So first, I call out to our ancestors. I call out to those who have gone before us. We call out to those who dreamt of a bright future, and thus we have arrived. So I call out to these ancestors that bring the legacy, all of the gifts of their lives to give to us that we might learn from those who have gone before us. So I call out particularly to those ancestors all the way back in each of our lineages who lived in a shamanic way, who lived in intimate and close community, whether they were rooted in one place or nomadic, whether they moved seasonally to avoid death at freezing temperatures or tornadoes, who knows. But I call out to those ancestors who lived in a way that understand what it is that we wish to share today, that we might share it in a good way and be supported by the wisdom of those who have done this before so that we can all be brought to the place where we are simply remembering and sharing the joy of those memories. So I call out to these ancestors to be strong with us here today, to hold us well, and to shape us in a good circle, even though that circle will extend out over time as people listen to this podcast in different times. Let everyone know that you are held no matter when you listen to this in this space. So I call out to the earth below, that most ancient and terribly essential of the ancestors, and I give thanks to the earth for the wonder of this day, for the beauty and the miracle of life. And I give thanks to her for the magic in her dreaming that we live in a way of life in which things are interconnected so that we must grow up and take our place in that beautiful web of life and do the unique thing we have come here to do. It is a wonderful, amazing dream with great interconnection and great beauty and great hope because as long as we are living, we are able to transform. So we give thanks to the earth for the beauty of life, the miracle of this day, and the opportunity to share it here together. We give thanks to the earth for grounding and belonging and home. Thanks for the journey of life, that place to walk that journey. We give thanks to the earth for connection and for the interconnection of all living things. And we ask that the earth help us with her wisdom of manifestation to know how to be here in a good way for life in its many, many diverse forms. So with our feet firmly planted in the earth and the ancestors gathered round, let us reach up from our bellies to our hearts to our minds and out through the sky that is above your head, out through the atmosphere and to that cosmos, reaching out all the way to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you know that power, by whatever way you conceive of it, reach it, touch it, open your heart and call it down. Down into our circle, down into yourself and down into your day. And in that way, we call into our circle protection. We call in the generosity and benevolence of our existence here, of this universe. We call in all the wisdom of the universe. And we call in blessings. May we each be blessed by the proceedings here today. 
And may we share that blessing in some way as we move through the world. And so as we draw the sky down and the earth up and let these energies blend within our bodies, bringing to us that great uh, illuminated, inspired and energized core space, we call out to the energy of the heart in each one of us that we might open the heart to be clear and to be strong, to be full. We call out to the heart to be able to open its magical capacity to draw up the passions of our belly and draw down the clarity and inspiration of the mind and to bring these energies together in a way that we come to understand that passion we have come to live for, that we come to understand why we are here and how to live that today in the world we have chosen to be part of. So we call out to heart to give us the courage to take action, to bring our gifts into the world. So with the earth below, the sky above, the ancestors round and the heart opened, we give thanks for this opportunity to be together. May what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard and all of these things evolve in a way that are good for all living things. So I want to give thanks to those of you that make the show possible. I want to thank Josh and all the listeners who have donated to the show. If you find this show meaningful in any way, if it moves you, even if it moves you In anger or frustration, if it moves you, that means that it matters to you. And if it matters, the core energy of shamanism is to be moved in life by the things that matter, that have heart and meaning. And so please take some action to keep this thing that matters to you alive and well in the world. If you have the ability to donate, please go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support button and donate whatever amount of money you choose, large or small, every bit of it goes to keeping the show on air. And we are not yet 100% listener supported. So I encourage all of you who find the show valuable. I'm deeply heartened that whenever I go now to shamanic gatherings, people come to me that I do not know and say, you know, thank you for your show. I find it so meaningful. And I want to ask, and have you donated? Have you done something to keep the show strong? Because I cannot do this myself. It is an offering to you. And if you are moved by it, you need to move in the world in some way that keeps it alive. That can be to share it with others. It can be to... um, bring support groups around together to talk about the show. Whatever it is that you do to keep the show alive, I ask you to please do it. And if that can be to donate, I encourage you to do so. So today, um, our show is about intimate apprenticeship. And by that, we mean local, to to be intimate, to meet, to be together, and to do it in a way that is perhaps similar to the old ways. And, um, our guest today to talk about this is Paula Denham. Welcome, Paula. Hello, Christina. So, Paula, for those of you who do not know, um, is the founder and the director of the Sacramento Shamanic Center. She's a minister of the Circle for um, Sacred Earth Church. She has been practicing shamanism for at least 19 years. And Paula is also a Foundation for Shamanic Studies um, three-year program graduate. She studied with Carol Proudfoot in her very first Bear Medicine Circle and with Tom in his um, teachings of Celtic ways and perspectives and that cosmology. And she has also worked with a number of indigenous shamans internationally. And um, one of the things that has touched me that um, Paula has written is that this work, this shamanic work, is the great joy of my life, she says. It fills my heart every day. So for those of you that would like to locate Paula in the land of cyberspace, 
The website is www.sac, as in Sacramento, sacshamanic.org. And if you would like to email her, you can reach her at sacshamaniccenter at sbcglobal.net. I also want to acknowledge that this interview is part of our Society of Shamanic Practitioners series, and so we need to thank the SSP for their sponsorship. And through these monthly shows, we explore how contemporary shamans are meeting the challenge of their world and meeting the challenge of bringing things into balance and into harmony in a way that is good for all living things. You can find the SSP at www.shamansociety.org and explore um, what the SSP has to offer there. Um, We are live and in person, and so you are invited to call in if you have questions for Paula. And the phone number is 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype from the co-creatornetwork.com site. If you're listening to the site, you just click the little Skype button and you can Skype in. Um, And you're also welcome to email me during the show, and I would be happy to... um, Read your question on the air, and that would be Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. You're also welcome to email myself or Paula later with questions, but if you would like them on the show, please do so now. So, Paula, back to you. So, please share with us, if you kind of reflect back on your life, share with us what is the pivotal event or events um, that really brought you into shamanism and particularly the way that you practice today. And I think, you know, sometimes these pivotal events, we didn't know they were pivotal when we did them. We just did the only thing that we could do and it ended up changing everything. So um, what is it that if you look back, you think, wow, that was the moment? Well, <clears throat> uh, those might be two different uh, stories. That's all uh, right. What brought me into shamanism and what brought me to what I do today. Um, what brought me into shamanism was a, just a profound loss in my life, uh, coupled with a, um, an introduction uh, to shamanism that another friend brought to me uh, in that moment. And I simply heard myself saying, I'll be there. You know, uh, and that happened to be a, a Harner basic offering at, at um, Esalen in California. Right at the time when I was uh, in a rather devastated state, so that brought me in, and at at a time when I was suffering deeply, I learned to take some of my fears and my distress um, to the spirits, and the message I got from them was, "You pay attention here. This is where you belong." And that was a profound uh, statement that shook me. It shook my life. It was the first time I'd ever truly felt that I belonged somewhere. I believed that spirit. And that that was a pivotal moment. So what's the second story? The second story um, would have to do with my sense of isolation. I threw myself into learning into studies uh, about shamanism, uh, and and I really mean that. Most of my studies were about shamanism, although they, uh, in the process of that, uh, we were journeying. I 
was interacting with the spirits. But I built this longing. Uh, I found that I couldn't sustain my connection with the spirits in the same way um, until uh, without a community. I felt that um, I needed to bring this into my daily life, and I didn't know how to do that alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Michael Harner had suggested to me that the time that it took to become uh, uh, true in this practice depended on one's uh, immersion, bringing this work into one's daily life. And I could find myself immersed when I was at a workshop. I could find myself immersed at this circle or that. And then I come back to my daily life and begin to lose it, find it starting to slip away. So I had to yeah, I, I think yeah, I think that's very common for people. I mean, when we get home, we feel like salmon swimming upstream. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. it was so it was so comfortable when we were surrounded by people uh, that were certainly challenged by what we're doing, but at least we're all together doing it. And, that's right. And I think that's a very common experience. I do also. I do too. Uh, So I began to ask the spirits, I need a community. And their response to me was, build one. Hmm. And I had been um, visiting certain drumming circles. Most of them seemed to be gathering just to drum for fun. And I brought up, I want to drum for another reason. I want to drum with purpose. I want a drum to journey, and that means using the drum beat to take me to spirit, to interact with spirit. And there were a few people who, who responded to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my first, uh, but, but didn't know how to do it, yeah. and asked yeah. if I would teach. And that's where my beginning at teaching began. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the second story. <laughs> Yeah. So as we continue today, everyone, I want you to understand that what, I mean, the main reason I've invited Paula to share what she's doing on the show is because, um, well, because she's created this shamanically, you know, by asking for help from spirit and she's doing it shamanically by continuing to ask for help from spirit. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, she's succeeding. And there's such beauty in that. And with that said, I want to acknowledge, you know, we both, Paul and I both understand that there are deep and important reasons for or- organizing experiences in week-long workshops or in events that take people away from their daily life, that, that there is a, a kind of transformation that can occur in that. And since the work I do really focuses on deep transformation, it's critically important to get people away and be with them day after day after day to get them to a place that takes you know, profound work each day to finally come to the place that we're wanting to get to, that, that we, we wouldn't make it if we were scattered about. But at the same time, I think this, this, this longing for a shamanic community, and, and I think it's not just us as humans. I know as we work with the spirits of the land, they long for our feet to come together in a circle. 
I mean, that sense that that, that that sacred space is there, that they can feel our little little soles of our feet and that final person steps in and the circle is formed and they go, ah, the people have gathered. I mean, there's, there's a lot to that. And, and so what we're exploring today is what, what can be found in that other way of learning, not as any kind of criticism to any of the other forms of learning about shamanism. And probably in the end, we'll all realize we need all of it. Um, <laughs> especially as contemporary Americans. But um, so that's what we really want to explore today is what the, the challenges, but also the, the great beauty that can come from having um, an intimate local uh, practice, particularly because of this very critical thing um, that Paula has brought up, which is in spite of our longing, in spite of our incredible relief to have helping spirits and how the answers that they give us do change our life. And, and as Paula said, they give us a way to begin to deal with our suffering. And eventually our energy is moved out of suffering and frustration and distraction. And we begin to focus more on why we're really here. I mean, there's a beautiful evolution of ourself in our work with spirit. Nonetheless, it is an incredible challenge for contemporary Americans to integrate shamanic practices into their daily life. To wake up in the morning and begin the day in your relationship with spirit and to acknowledge that and to make that real. Um, yeah. How, you know, how do you deal with the questions about that weird stuff you have on your desk at work? <laughs> Why do you have a gopher on your screensaver on your computer? <laughs> you know, all these things, all these wonderful creative ways that we can begin to integrate our shamanism into our everyday life. But you're still constantly having to explain yourself and there are days you don't have the energy to do both. So that's what we're talking about today is what can come and particularly how it supports us in really beginning to live as shamanic people, not, not um, have like this shamanic alter ego <laughs> that runs off and tells everybody at work you're going to Florida for vacation, but really you're going off to you know, study shamanism, but that you really begin to live it. So that's, that's kind of what we're about today. So we're going to go back, actually, to where Paula left us off in the story, which is um, the spirit saying, build one. And mm-hmm. so you, you take the first logical steps. Go talk to people that might listen to you <laughs> about this. You find a few people. You create a circle that does have some lasting power for a period of time. But eventually, it, um, people move on. And that, um, as you just said, because... There, there were aspects of it you didn't really know exactly how to do yet. So let's pick up with the story with um, how you began, you know, to work with spirit and, and start to really build the community that you're, you know, very actively involved in now. <clears throat> well, with, with those few people uh, and their innocence uh, around shamanism and my need to just start with the basics, teaching them how to uh, interact, how to connect with and interact with their helping spirits. Um, that put me in a role of, of teaching, uh, which I had not anticipated or uh, asked for. But there I was. Meanwhile, and as we did, did that, I began to see... Uh, uh, Issues arise in the circle, we would take those to the spirits. Uh, 
I began to uh, connect with these people in a way that was regular and dependable and knowing that I would be there and they would be with me during that time. A community began to be built. Meanwhile, I was... I was engaged in my corporate life, but coming home at night and uh, doing healing, offering shamanic counseling, and uh, little by little I began to notice that that some of those, as I witnessed their journeys uh, through the process of shamanic counseling, clearly had a calling and were going to be looking for, uh, for someone to teach them. And in uh, at one point in this early circle, uh, two of the people who were attending it uh, were suffering from what their doctors had told them was fibromyalgia. In that time, also, I had been uh, experiencing symptoms that matched what they were describing. I hadn't sought a diagnosis, but it looked pretty much alike. And one evening after circle, when those two women were moaning about getting off the floor because it was difficult, it was painful, I had found that my pain disappeared while I was doing healing work, but returned as soon as I was finished. Um... So they were complaining, and I said, let's, let's deal with this, and invited them to come to my home. And let, we'll take this to the spirits and say, here we are. We're in need. We'll do whatever you say. Help us. And that started. That was the beginning of uh, what I've called a six-month self-healing circle. Where, and their instruction to us was meet weekly, commit for six months, be here, and just follow us. And this is not just for you. This is for others as well. So then, after that six months, and I began to offer this to others, in the process of that, I began to notice that there were people there who were being called. And people coming to that circle with deep physical ailments or emotional crises um, and I was reminded by the Spirit and uh, by what I was seeing that this was a classical calling, that um, in indigenous cultures, in many of them, the way they identify a candidate for someone who is being called for the, uh, to work with the Spirit is through this illness, through some crisis in their lives. And... Uh, uh, and so I r- realized that the, the, w- one of these circles said, we don't want to finish, we want to go on. Uh, I can't go on with my life without spirit in it, and I want to learn how to bring this to others. I am inspired by my healing. I'm inspired by my um, relationship with the spirits. So, so someone who was in this um, six-month self-healing um, process, they came into that knowing how to journey, and then, then so, so you and they and everybody's helping spirits were working over these six months with these illnesses that people brought. Is that, am I understanding that? 
when they when someone comes into the six month self healing circle, they don't necessarily know how to journey. I will teach them how to journey. But so so they are working with their own helping spirits as well. So That's it really correct. is self healing. That's right. Beautiful. It's self healing okay. in the yeah in the sense that it's with their own uh, helping spirits. What is I'm not doing the work on their behalf. The spirits are yes. not moving through me uh, on their behalf, uh, other than in guiding the circle. It's beautiful because it allows you all to really not just attend to the whole self-healing piece, which is really beautiful, but the other aspect is that ability to recognize um, there are many, I think there are many illnesses in contemporary culture that are, that are the symptoms of not living in an active relationship with spirit. And that's really what's going on. It's not, and that the, the chemistry that results that get measured and diagnosed and pharmacologied, you know, is really just about the fact that we don't understand we've lost these abilities to have a working relationship with spirit that keeps us balanced. That's true. It's beautiful. Okay, so you have people in this program who are now saying, I don't want to stop. And then you have people that you were already having um, kind of an ongoing circle. So you're starting to get people that you're seeing have potential, perhaps right. a real classic calling. And, you, and you're starting to feel the pressure <laughs> between your realization of these people that need a way and you're helping spirits probably pushing from the other side going, you're the way, you're the way, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're the one who's going to create, open this up for them. You know, even though, as you say many times and rightfully that, of course, this is about facilitating their relationship with their helping spirits, but someone's got to open the path for them. So were you feeling a little bit of pressure between what you were realizing was rising up in the people in front of you and what the spirits were sort of pushing you behind you? Um, it didn't feel so much like pressure as it did uh, uh, a – that felt like a calling to me. Mm-hmm. And in that, And in that calling, I just uh, surrendered to that flow. Mm-hmm. And, and doing that um, felt natural uh, at that point. So now at this point, had the actual circles really started yet or are, you getting, are we still getting there? Uh, the first circle uh, started with some of those from that original uh, gathering, mm-hmm. uh, others who had uh, noticed that in their shamanic counseling that, uh, that this was what they wanted in their lives. This was their path. And, um, and so we began there. Uh, I had maybe three people who were clearly committed to um, deeper learning, uh, more understanding, wanting to learn, wanting to learn techniques, wanting to learn uh, how to work with the spirits to help others. And uh, very shortly after that, more began to arrive. So that circle grew. That first circle grew over a period of a year and a half, two years, as more as people came forward, it wasn't, it didn't begin uh, all at once. All those members didn't come in at once. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's take a minute here um, from the juiciness of the stories and just kind of lay out for people in a real simple way um, 
the kind of the logistics of how it works, like how frequently people meet, you know, just kind of just the basics of, of how it's the structure it's evolved into, which we realize is a flowing structure, but nonetheless, there is some structure. Yeah. Uh, we meet every other uh, week. Uh, we tried for a while to coordinate that with the new moon and the full moon. And um, uh, the, the old saying about herding cats, cats don't like that one. <laughs> We found that we needed to have a day, a day, every other Monday, every other Wednesday is the day that we meet. Mm -hmm. So we do that. We meet every other week. Uh, People come to my home. I have a work room. uh, And uh, we begin our circle at about 6.30, end it around between 9 and 9.30 usually. And uh, during that time, uh, the spirits guide me in, in... facilitating their apprenticeship with the spirits, with their spirits. Um, These folks also um, participate in what we call open healing. On the third Sunday of every month, my home is opened to whoever walks through the door requesting healing. So this gives those who are in their learning phases, learning stages, an opportunity to have real people in need uh, to practice with, to practice their merge, practice their collaboration with the spirits on behalf of of those who are seeking healing. Um, When I have requests for healing, I uh, I, uh, invite one or more of the apprentices uh, to assist me in that healing. So there are these numbers of ways in which that interaction builds, that growth and that connection and the, and the learning and experience grows and, and builds. At this point, that first circle, <clears throat> that, that actually stuck around as, as an apprenticeship circle, called themselves that, uh, those people are now my colleagues. And we continue to meet to serve this community and to uh, help each other. And so, Paula, have, how long do you th- did that evolve from when that circle sort of over that two years that circle is coming together till this place? So how much time do you think passed? I think that that circle probably began in 98. Mm-hmm. So it's been all these years. Yeah. And they... Um, that we have worked together. How long it took before we got to the point where we recognized uh, it was clearly uh, where I considered these folks my colleagues. That yeah. was four or five years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Good. So how long do people come, you know, meeting every other week in their circle? On a, I mean, I realize that it is very fluid and changes with the people. But in general... How long do people come before they're um, actually assisting others, like in the open healing? Does that have like an average time frame where people are learning their skills and developing their abilities? Is there a... Usually around a year to mm-hmm. a year and a half before folks start coming into open healing to, to help others. That doesn't mean that they're not... Uh, doing a divination journey, uh, you know, for their cousin or their neighbor. Right. <laughs> right. 
<clears throat> uh, yeah. or, you know, uh, trying to help uh, someone else. But mm-hmm. uh, we practice within the circle um, before that time. The the young uh, folks, I, the, I have a group now that some of folks were about a year and a half in and others are about it. Mm, I, let me change that. Um, some folks are about two years in, others are about seven or eight months in, and they're preparing. They're preparing mm-hmm. to begin their first open healing work. So, the so young- one, yeah, one of the things people might not realize is um, one of the challenges with the workshop-driven format is there is rarely any supervision once someone learns a skill around their use of it. Just because the nature of the workshop, you know, you've gone off to wherever to work with some fabulous um, presenter, but then you're on your own once you get home. And the, what I see in this um, uh, system that is evolving with you and with spirit is this very, very organic, very natural um, supervision without it being so kind of um, – Pardon me, but it's a bit anal sometimes the medical system. You know, you must have this many hours of supervision and it's very sort of in a box. You know, and here you have this open circle thing where it's supervised and then they're watching you probably do somewhat deeper, more challenging practices with people that are your clients. So your, your apprentices are watching you. So there's this whole evolution of observation and participation. Because if you think about indigenous cultures, you know, the kid of a shaman would potentially be watching healings their whole life That's and right. maybe helping, you know, you know, mom saying, go run and get the sage and, and, oh, you know, crap, I forgot to boil the water, or, you know, whatever it is. And, and so there would be this very organic observation. And as the person matured, so as their skills are also maturing, the person is able to see um, different things and, yeah. And so it just allows that. It's, it's quite. It's, um, it's a very important piece, I think, that people may not realize isn't really happening with people that just are going to workshops for training. Is they're not supervised necessarily? Well, because we are each circle is small. Everyone shares uh, what they get in their journeys. Everyone shares a part of what's going on in their lives. <clears throat> so there's a way in which they're known, and it's easy to see if somebody is is sliding off or needs some help or support or guidance in in their collaboration with the spirits. As they assist me in in my healings, they have an opportunity to see a wide range of how the spirits work with this needy person, this person's needs, their unique uh, afflictions or circumstances, and how the spirits do that. Uh, so they're open to all of these uh, possibilities and um, and and see that that they are um, infinite that there are no limits if you will uh, to how it might be there's always a newness and this keeps folks from trying from not trying to constantly um, repeat or reproduce uh, an action or technique or a way of, of of being that they have seen or been taught in a in a workshop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it allows 
me to see if they've misunderstood, which doesn't mm-hmm. happen. And go away from a workshop with an understanding that that can lead you astray for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other thing that I know I've noticed is when I'm speaking with colleagues and someone will be, you know, just take a, a, um, a tack to deal with something that I would just never even think to ask the question to go there. Um, just because of how I am. And, and and it never fails. I actually need that the very next client that I work on. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. there's a beauty in being able to observe different types of people and how they approach the same kinds of humanity's sufferings in different ways, um, shamanically, but nonetheless different ways of approaching using those shamanic skills. It's a, um, it's a very rich a very, very rich environment for learning. Your your students are are very lucky to have that. I you know, and probably since that's all they know, they don't even realize how lucky they are. Um, to have that continuity, it's one of the things that consistency and that continuity. And each so, other, yeah, yeah, and and that ability when um, to debrief to to have a session with someone and go, wow, I have no idea whether that was really the right thing or not. Now, part of it is getting feedback down the line from the person, but another thing is just having colleagues to talk to. It's an enormous relief, actually. Yes, and support. (laughs) So let's talk about the tricky bit of having ongoing communities, which is the fact that people always bring their family to the community and project it all over everybody else. And thus, um, stuff arises to yes. be addressed. So how has that evolved over time for you and your people? <clears throat> Every once in a while, there can be a, a little crisis in one circle uh, from one person. Uh, if they bring their their stuff. We try to um, uh, address that with the spirit, and perhaps the entire circle will go look, you know, will uh, come up with a difficult relationship and go to the spirits with how, how to interact with that person in a way that serves the highest good of, of, um, of everyone. Other times, things, as you say, get projected uh, from one person to another. And I simply try to stay intent, uh, attentive to that and assist that person through it. Sometimes just my acceptance, my acceptance um, eases a circumstance, eases a situation. When the projection <clears throat> or the difficulty <clears throat> seems through the person's, the student's eyes to be something that I have done. I have said something or done something uh, which was painful to them. I uh, am willing to to be in that role and encourage them and work with them with the spirit to resolve that. I welcome it, actually, Christina. Mm-hmm. I any any wound that's up is up for healing, and I welcome that. So the the way the circle, the way those things kind of bubble and roil, uh, just brings 
opportunities for deeper healing on the part of the students. And to me, that is primary. You know, <clears throat> some time ago, not, not, not years, but some time ago, I was approached by my helping spirit and saying that uh, they wanted me to set aside a time after our opening prayer, after we had called the spirit uh, to us, after we had invited them uh, into our midst and, and ourselves to connect, and said our, our, our prayer for the evening. Now, they wanted me to, to sit, to be an open vessel, and allow spirit, a spirit, a, an assortment of spirit, a, a council of spirits to speak through me to the circle. And I said, you always have that opportunity. And their response to me was they wanted a set time, a dedicated time, when, they, uh, when a spirit could address the circle. So... The youngest circle, youngest in experience, when I say youngest or oldest, that's what I'm talking about, not about the ages of the participants. The youngest circle, for example, um, I, I want to share a little bit that of, of what one of those messages was, and it will be revealing. So <clears throat> this is being addressed to uh, the dear circle. He said, you are to be healers. To be healers, you must heal yourself. Do not think this work that you have come here to learn is something that you do. This is something you become. We intend to change your lives. We intend to displace that, uh, much of that which you hold dear. We intend for you to see and understand life in a way that you cannot now there is a part of you that longs for this becoming. There is a part of you that longs for this reality. We do not train you now, work with you now, simply for you to do things, to follow techniques, shake your rattle, play your drum. Yes, those are things you will do. We intend for you to become lights, to become truth, to become goodness, and beauty that shines through your days, to become that which will trigger that hunger in others, that longing to see life in this different way, to understand themselves and know themselves and know spirit in this other way. You are bait. We will cast you out far and reel you back in again and again, so that as you move through the waters of your life, returning ever to spirit, those you have touched, those who wiggle in your wake, will follow, or at least look in this direction. And if not that, they will wonder what it is, this hunger that has begun in them. This is precious work. This is a gift that you give to us, and we give to you. This is true collaboration, but you will work at it. You will not just come to this home of your human teacher to do this work. This will rattle through your lives, reverberate in your relationships. It will shake your foundation, lift you high. You will have a new view, a new understanding, 
And with that view and understanding, our deepest collaboration moves forward. And that was that message. To your, to your youngest circle. That's correct. Mm-hmm. This is what the Spirit said to them then. And that is an important part of what I intend and work with the spirits um, to teach. This is not just about shamanic techniques and, and uh, healing people in a specific and direct way. It is about becoming a healing force, becoming um, a presence of, of light, becoming a model of one who is awake in a culture that is sleepwalking. So then, then how did that, how did that message then affect the group? They heard it. <laughs> I how it affected each one. I don't know. We'll see. But the message has been delivered. There certainly was some, you know, um, a little bit of uh, nervous laughter around uh, the idea of being bait. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I believe it, um, I'm hoping that it settled in them uh, in a way that brought a deeper understanding of what they are about in this work. That well, they I... are. Go ahead. Um, that they are. Uh, changing their lives, that the person who came in to learn this will come to a new way of seeing their purpose in their lives. And there is an, an, an idea out there amongst some people who are learning shamanic skills that shamanism is just another modality, that these skills really are just another set of techniques, and I'll just throw those into my bag of tricks with all the other sets of techniques that I have and be, you know, an amazing healer because I can do everything. Um, and my experience, I've actually had some, some very um, problematic experiences with people that treat shamanic skills as as a set of doing things to do that they really don't work. I mean, they still work very well, but not necessarily always in a good way outside of this larger um, transformational experience that you're talking about, that the person becomes a force. Yes. These are the actions that they do, but um, those actions are, um, you know, like power tools in the hands of a toddler, um, without the actual sort of building the right muscles, spiritual muscles within the person to wield those tools in a good way. Um, There's a retreat center that we go to that has a wonderful uh, practitioner of the healing arts, the bodywork arts there, who also happens to know shamanism, you know, through his own interest. But unfortunately, he offers those as, you know, yet another modality. And... um, he sent some people in my workshop who go in there for some body work just to kind of integrate everything that's going on off in directions that are not authentic to them. And um, people, it's, it's as absurd as MDs throwing in acupuncture instead of referring their people out to an acupuncturist. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. 
so it's really beautiful that you that that the spirits are letting these people know right out of the gate that um this is not just a new skill set this is going to change your life like you like they said rock the foundation and that's bring right. you to higher heights Every, everything will, will be changed that's right you will see your life it uh you i noticed in your introduction or the radio station's introduction when you change the way you see things you mm-hmm. Uh, you change the the things you see. Mm-hmm. So there's a way in which coming to one's authenticity, coming to a recognition of of oneness, coming to a sense of this is what you are being guided to do and to be. You are. We each. Uh, we each of us is a part of our Creator's human experience, and. And we have been called to uh, expand that experience and be experience the experience of the Creator choosing to know itself, um, choosing to see the oneness, to be the individual, the unique experience of the Creator <clears throat> knowing itself. Well, and you, in, in this format, because they are small groups and because things are very flexible, as that authenticity really arises in an individual who is part of the group, and they, they, they individually need to do something as part of their path with spirit, the beauty of, of what you and the spirits and your people have created here is that can happen. I mean, you shared some of the stories in your article, but what I mean specifically is you're able to respond to someone's need to have this experience with spirit and have it to be held and witnessed. Um, I believe the image that was in the article was the woman dancing Kuan Yin. Yeah. That was and this this doesn't happen at workshops, you know. <laughs> the workshops have an, an agenda to move the group through, but mm-hmm. allowing the process itself to kind of swing around and support those moments of that authenticity really emerging and needing something to happen, uh, to move on to the next step. That seems to me to be a really um, important strength in, in what this um, system offers for your students. Yes, an opportunity also to mark those truly um, significant passages. Uh, the the celebration. Not, well, I wouldn't call it a celebration, but that marking of of uh, of divorce. This mm-hmm. person said the wedding took years to plan and thousands of dollars. And uh, as the marriage is ending, I have been sent. Um, a third-generation Xerox copy of a piece of paper from a courthouse. Mm-hmm. And I need something else. I need to be unbound from the vows I made. I need uh, to know that I'm setting my feet on, uh, on a, a path that is, as a single individual, that I must change my life. And I need my community support in this. Yeah, and that so, I'm blessed in that. I'm not a pariah now that I am. I can correct. be blessed in that choice, as hard as it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so divorce and birth? 
death? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, well, we haven't had any new births. We've had grandchildren, perhaps, but hmm. not no no new births at this point. Um, beyond our rebirth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how do you? How does it work? Uh, do do what happens with things like romance within the circle? You had to deal with that yet? That can be challenging. <laughs> yes, it can. Uh, but we take all our passages uh, to the spirits, and we support each other. There is a way in which if whatever is going on in your life is acceptable because it is going on in your life. And if you need guidance, if you need direction, then we will take this to the spirits and and assist you in that. Mm-hmm. And um, at times, uh, more than once, we have, as a circle, you know, each circle, have gone to the spirits to say what's true in this situation and what will be healing. Mm-hmm. And that has always served us. And most often, what comes through when in, the, uh, in response to the question as to what is true is something that is, has some way in which this little crisis or big one has touched uh, each participant, each member of that circle's heart or, or what is being reflected or pushed, uh, pressed, you know, in their own lives. And the truth of that comes forward. So every time we heal one of those things, it's healed in some ways for all time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it heals with everybody as well, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to end with this topic, but I want to bring it up. So let's do it now, even though it's not a very good segue, and so we can end with something else. But how does, how do the, how does the financial piece work? Because I think money gets used as an excuse in two ways. One, students say, I can't do it because of the money. But mm-hmm. also, teachers often structure their teaching in a way that is not beneficial for the students in the teaching, but it, it's beneficial for them financially. And so how do you work that with your system? Uh, when a new circle begins or when someone comes into a circle, I invite uh, the, the new apprentice uh, at that very first gathering that they attend to journey to their helping spirit and ask them what monetary offering is appropriate here, what honors you, and in that, what I'm wanting them to understand is that they're asking the spirits what honors the spirits, what honors uh, the teachings, what honors me as their uh, human teacher, but also what honors themselves. Mm-hmm. So the offering is between the student and the spirits, and I stay out of that. And that's whatever answer they get, that's what they leave in. Uh, in the bowl at the end of each circle, and that supports me. It's not my only support. Mm-hmm. You know, I also um, see counseling clients and um, do healing circles and other provide other shamanic services. But um, it has served me well. There have been people who were asked to put in um, um, 
a healthy chunk, each circle, some who have been asked to provide an art piece mm-hmm. uh, periodically. It has, you know, it has, uh, what has been offered has varied, but mm-hmm. it it serves. Mm-hmm. And I, I can only, ex- I can accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and then the other thing, just a reminder, we talked about this earlier, but just in terms of the, these and these exchanges of energies are critically important. And many the, money has got so many distorted, you know, ideas in people's minds. It's hard for people to understand that these exchanges of energy ha- have meaning, and and the answer that 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 person arrives at with spirit has profound meaning that is usually not apparent at the moment of the journey. Um, and, and the other thing is you also are tending the gate. You know, anybody who wants to learn doesn't necessarily come. I mean, there is a sense of having seen that inkling in someone uh, prior. It's not just anybody off the street who wants to learn shamanic skills. Come on in. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So there is a clear yeah. identification. Yeah. So, Paula, I'm wondering, do you have your covenant with the spirits with you at the moment, or can you recite it from memory? It's long. Uh, so. I, can, I can certainly. I have. It's really beautiful, and I was, I was actually just hoping that you would be able to share it with us. And since it's yours, I was hoping you could share instead of having me read it. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, I have long uh, felt and had not really articulated it. And so I went to the spirits and asked them, you know, uh, what really is this uh, covenant that we share, and how shall I write about it? And they said this, it is your commitment to be in your highest level of integrity, to teach what you are and not what you want to be. This means that you teach authenticity by being authentic. While you may speak of your aspirations, you are true to where you are in your approach to them. You are willing to let us lead. You are unwilling to compete with your students. You give away what you are given. This makes you most useful to us. You surrender to truth and accept all those you teach for who they truly are and not who you hope them to be or who they might wish they were. You let go those who are going and you rejoice in your students' growth. And I felt deeply honored that they saw me as um, in this covenant, that this was the way they saw our interaction. Well, Paula, thank you so much for sharing this with us and for sharing your teaching in the world in this way. Um, It's truly beautiful. I really appreciate the gift that you've given us here today. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for inviting me to speak about it. So just a reminder to everyone, if you want to find Paula in cyberspace, it's www.sacshamanic.org. And you can email her at sacshamaniccenter at sbcglobal.net. So Paula, thank you. I give thanks to your ancestors for their great wisdom in dreaming you up that you might be here with us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
So I give thanks for the ancestors gathering round, deep thanks for the earth below and the sky above, and thanks to the heart energy, the heart in each one of us that unites us all. May we go forward today inspired by Paula and her willingness to let the spirits guide her to come into her own authenticity in a way that is so enriching and supporting to the authenticity of others. May you be inspired by that today. Thank you, everyone, for listening.